Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street, and I'll be your host. I use explicit language, and topics of conversation are going to include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability, rape, incest, domestic violence, foster care, emancipation, therapy, recovery, Buddhism, uh, or spiritual path, agnosticism, atheism as well, if you'd like, um, or if you that feels true for you. Um, what else? Mm. Uh, a couple popular culture references today, uh, and uh, an Emmy award-winning piece of work. And let's see what else. Uh, or something else. Oh, ancient Greek and Roman history. Because <laughs> that's a fetish of mine. So <laughs> studied those people for decades. So uh, anyway, they're going to be littered in today's references. So um, okay, yeah. So those are some of the topics I'll be talking about. Um, these may or may not be your flavor today. They may not be what you're looking for. So you can come on in and say, hey, you know what, um, what's up? This sounds kind of interesting. You can also say, I'll pass. I, I, that's not quite my thing today. I like consent and I like people choosing. And I like to talk about consent because sometimes we got choices we don't know we got. And it just takes a different context or a different voice or just being aware of the liminal space, you know, because there's so much space, you know. Anyway, so uh, let's see, anything else going on? Uh, oh, I'm not a professional therapist. Uh, by the way, this is memorized. This is not on a script. Uh, so I sometimes miss chunks as I'm trying to mechanically do this. Um, <clears throat> by the way, Ovid and Homer and all kinds of writers uh, memorized without right they sometimes they write things down but a lot of them was an oral history where they would memorize long strains of thoughts you know and say these stories out loud and i rather like that um maybe some of you do too we'll see okay so uh <laughs> um it is morning time it is uh november 5th 2021 and it is raining heavily outside here in my Oregon country location um, my schedule shifts quite a bit because I go to sleep when I'm tired and I get up when I'm sated you know so um, lately I've been doing more of a, a circadian rhythm um, sleeping at night and getting up in the morning um, meditation practice has been bringing me to a uh, a bit more stillness this week and uh, contentment, you see. Um, I think sometimes emotional things, um, I've got a pet that's ailing and I'm, I have a lot of emotions about that and um, a lot of efforts going in, but I'm not sure it's helping, you know, because it might be that it's aging, you know, and I can't control this, see, although I love this animal, you see. So, um, Sometimes when you're brought to these close places where um, we cross over or that might be coming or we're aging and our body's changing uh, like a velveteen rabbit. <laughs> I 
I've been feeling, I've been thinking about that story a lot lately. I've been feeling a bit like a velveteen rabbit as my hair is green and I'm accepting that grace and, you know, my teeth, I, I need a lot of work and uh, I just got to, I, I put meditation and time, I, well, I put time into cleaning them and making sure they are the best that they can be as they are, you know, so, cause that's what I can do to be present, you know, and actually let's get this started. Uh, I've got a couple references we're going to be discussing today. Um, this morning I heard from Tara Brock as I was meditating, uh, to be awake, um, this morning. This is the sentence that strung, struck to me. <clears throat> there is a profound freedom in recognizing who you are. And that's Tara Brock. I'll include that in the notes, that link to her work. Um, I'm feeling a bit of joy and strangeness over some something that's come back to me, I guess is what I would say. Um, and the springboard or the topic of art that I'm going to be talking about is The Sopranos, the series The Sopranos. Um, there's been the new movie that's come out uh, with the prequel in this past couple months. And um, that series was a big chapter to me. And there was so much going on there that was horrific and beautiful and strange and duplicitous and um, hypocritical hypocritical. <laughs> it was just, there was so many love and brilliant acting. Um, it, it, you know, passion, it was totally the Greek and Roman tragedy, right? It was just the, you know, and um, yeah, so that series was significant uh, to me it is still part of me. And it's funny going back and looking it over because there's a podcast I'll be referring to in a moment that is emerging this for me again. And, um, it brings back a memory or two. Um, my mother, my mama, Darlene and I, um, I would bring her the Sopranos on DVD. <clears throat> Those of you who've got Netflix, cause a lot of us got Netflix. Um, you know, back in the day, you know, you had DVDs that get mailed to you. I remember I was, I just thought I was the bee's knees about 10, 20, well, 10, 15 years ago when uh, I was like, what's this Netflix thing? You know, cause I've been, I was looking at my account recently and I've had a Netflix account for a decade or more. <laughs> it was like, have they been around that long? I was like, I was like, well, it couldn't have been that long. And I'm like, well, you've been here several years and you was at your last place over almost two, nearly two decades. So it's like, you know, yeah, probably. <laughs> so I'm remembering where I was when I started getting those. And I don't know if you remember the paper when you go into the mailbox and you get a Netflix DVD, if you ever had DVDs through Netflix, it was like this joyous, like, oh my gosh, I'm getting six episodes or I'm getting three episodes from the series I love and I get to watch them all at once. <laughs> Oh, it's a secret little dirty little thing. I'm going to slather myself in the Sopranos world and walk around and say, what the hell? And then I'm going to come back. Oh, I just bumped my microphone. Sorry about that. But then I'm going to come back to my stable little whatever the hell this is. And I'm going to, you know, do my work and pay my bills and then come back next week for another episode. Right. So uh, it was such a joy. It felt like I was unwrapping a gift. And I think they probably created it like that. I remember some of the early designs on the Netflix DVD envelopes had ribbons on them, like a present, you know, for Christmas time, they did that promo. And those envelopes were always bright red, bright red, you know, um, it was like, Oh, there's a piece of candy. There's something waiting for me. See? And, um, that was a joy 
to bring me that art in that way and to give me that expanse to explore and learn about new things that I couldn't get access to, right? So, um, so what a joy. And I guess I, I have a gratitude for Netflix. Netflix has brought me a lot of stuff, you know, all kinds of stuff. So shout out to Netflix today. Um, and Netflix, please uh, create comedy specials for comedians who are over 40 years old or 50 years old that aren't of a particular race and gender and socioeconomic demographic. That trifecta is very common. Uh, and um, there are particular values within those subsets of demographics that are very common, a trifecta of values. And um, yeah, please uh, open up your mind. There's people with gray hair that may not be known who are funny. <laughs> Perhaps I am projecting and transferring my desire there. But you know what? Hey, I it's validating even just to see like a Hannah or to see like, you know, all these people on, you know, it's like we can broaden our expanse here. We can give voice to people that are a little kooky and maybe not uh, as easily digestible. And I got to tell you, sometimes it's really discouraging when you're looking towards something that has had a good selection of things or something like that. And you're like, okay, here's another white guy with money. Here's another white guy with money. Ha ha. Okay. Why you got Louis CK even anywhere near this right now? Um, Louis CK has had at least three people publicly acknowledge that he did um, sexual assaulting or sexual uh, se masturbation at work. And when I was evaluating becoming a comedian, because I've, I've sat there and chewed on that a long time, you know, and I'd go to the open mics, I'd go to the improv, uh, we had an improv jam group that would go, you go weekly and just practice your chops, you know, and that was in the last mm, five years or so. And uh, um, yeah, I'm hungry to see some people that are a little, well, it's just like watching English media. If you watch the BBC, which I am <sighs> Anglophile type, uh, eat they have people that are imperfect that maybe don't have straightest teeth that maybe um, have hooded eyes or uh, a wide neck or you know whatever you know they're like okay and they're a fucking amazing actor and we see that we're going to give them space to be that who they is see like a tara brock i'll repeat that quote again there is profound freedom in recognizing who you are Also not being ashamed to acknowledge who you are, because I think that shame and, you know, there's a sense of like being kind and loving and, and embracing to others in, in our spirits journeys. And also the sense that, um, hey, you know, I'm a survivor, I'm an incest and rape survivor. And, you know, it feels healing to me to talk about it here. Right. So and um, to refer to media and to refer to the fact that this is a cultural it's pervasive, you know, it's part of our culture, but we don't really deal with it directly and embrace it and be present with it, you know, so. So the thing that's lighting me up a bit right now and making me excited and, and kind of shimmering a little bit is uh, I've been listening to a series, a podcast series by uh, Michael Imperioli and Christopher Moltisanti. Um, they have a series called Talking Sopranos. Um, so let's see i gotta get this right oh let me rephrase this i made a mistake <laughs> kind of uh the two people that are on the talking sopranos podcast are michael imperioli and steve sharippa those are the actors names the character names are christopher moltisanti and bobby baccarelli Bacca, Baccalari. I can't quite, it, it, the Italian names are 
multifaceted and sometimes hard to pronounce. And uh, that is my am that is my attempt. Um, Talking Sopranos is the podcast. Um, these are two of the main actors. Michael won an Emmy for his role in The Sopranos. Um, and uh, it changed these people's lives. And they talk about it in the series. There's over 30 episodes. You got a juicy little podcast you can go ahead and binge on because that's what I'm doing this week as much as I can because the content's kind of intense, kind of like the series, right? So um, it's been really warm and uh, familiar to hear these people talk about the series and to recognize much like when you get lost in game of thrones it's like this whole world that you're sharing with these people you know and that you are taking into your psyche and it also adjusts and changes you somewhat right um <clears throat> everybody you know how many times do we hear about the ending of that series the cut to black and the you know the journey song don't stop believing, you know, and everybody was like, what the fuck was, that? you know, everyone, I don't get the, what the hell, oh, come on, what, you know, and uh, David, is it David Chase? Please be right. Uh, if I'm not right on the director, I think it's David Chase is the director on that. Um, I'll, I'll confirm that in the notes. And uh, thank you for your patience. There's a lot of names I'm kicking around here. Um, <clears throat> uh, David Chase has always been very, if you've ever listened to him in an interview, he does not give anything away. And as a gambling addict, uh, and in February, I'm going to have 10 years without gambling. Thank you very much. <laughs> I should have put that at the top of the show. I talked 12 step and I did mention recovery, but, uh, you know, compulsive addictive behaviors that we talk about some of that here. See, but anyway, where was I going? I was on a riff and then I got back to explain the gambling addiction. Um, David Chase has a poker face and I'm quoting, uh, Mr. Imperioli on that one. Uh, he's got a poker face. He don't tell you what he's thinking. And that guy has been hammered in interviews and he's just a straight plain face of like, I'm not going to give it away. You know, it's so, cause he got hammered on that. What the fuck was that ending? You know, he kept, he kept getting hammered on what the fuck was that? Ending? You know, cause everyone's like, what happened? What happened? And the thing is, we're still talking about it, aren't we? Okay. Maybe David Chase is a little smarter than some of us. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm still talking about that. We're all saying, what the fuck? And, you know, and finally, in the last couple, if you care, if you care about this series at all, uh, David Chase was interviewed in the last month or two about, uh, you know, the reemergence of the movie, uh, uh, the Newark movie that's the prequel. And um, I, because I've, you know, a lot of us have wanted to hear him say the words, what the hell, what was your intention? What did you, what, what would happen to him after it went to black? What happened? You know, and he said, yeah, he got whacked. He got killed. Tony got killed. And so uh, the director, uh, from his mouth, that's what happened on that last thing. That last, the fade to black. So it wasn't even a fade to black, wasn't it? It wasn't just an abrupt black and then credits. I believe that was it. So, um, yeah, there was this impertinence and this, if I don't see him get killed, did he get killed? Is that a, sh is that a, philosophical thing I don't, you know can they both exist what okay so anyway back to that why let me get you some pointers i guess on the talking sopranos podcast which um i think something that kind of caught me by surprise and took the wind out of my sails a little bit was uh i was just watching my nightly you know seth myers and colbert and you know i've got my favorites that i listen to and uh just to kind of keep company out here you know it's like oh there's a new show tonight hell right you know and um it was a surprise to me that those two characters were coming on i was like oh my god it's christopher 
you know, and uh, oh, I shouldn't be screaming. I apologize. I, I raise my voice sometimes and I scream sometimes and that for audio levels, that's not good for your ears. So um, I'm going to try to work on that. But I'm excited. I was very excited. And um, it was like an old friend, you know. And he has gray hair now. And if you listen to his interviews, uh, the two of them, they are different people than their characters. And you can tell that when they're just sitting there calmly having an interview. An example of that would be if you like the U.S. version of Shameless. And they're both, you know, the U.K. version that inspired it. You know, I try to watch it. and It's kind of like, oh, this is almost like watching the same series in a way, but with different people. It's like, it's like, oh, I know that character, that character, that character is, you know, and that's a joy that the British and the U.S. versions can offer when you're watching two different series. Uh, there's a couple of them like that, that got started in one place and they shifted to over, across the pond over here. So, um, <coughs> um, okay. So Christopher, when he's talking, he'll be referring to things about his life and what was going on while he was filming that series and the other acting parts that they had, because they both had had a, a bit of a history of acting. Um, but I believe um, Steve Sharippa was talking about he was more of a producer. He had more behind the scenes work he was doing. And so he wasn't as much on the on the screen. Um, so, uh, but... Uh, Michael Imperioli talks about, well, I was, uh, my wife and I, you know, and we've been married 10 or 20 years. Uh, we had a, uh, a bar or we had a restaurant and, you know, he's talking about these things of like, in my head, he's Christopher, right? But he's sharing with me that he had a whole damn life. He owned a bar, he had a marriage, he had an Emmy, you know, <laughs> he's just sitting there going, whoa, you know, he directed, you know, you're like, okay, uh, I can learn from this person. I'm going to listen to this person some, cause you know, and, um, I have to say there's a strange gratitude uh, for this, uh, seeing someone familiar that I've seen in a particular way that I had affection for that I maybe didn't trust, <laughs> the character of Christopher in The Sopranos, um, to this person who is uh, calmer and secure and has a sense of joy and contentment as he's describing his life experiences and his um, accomplishments. And it was really like a present. It was like, oh, I just learned a new chapter of this from many years ago. And I really like this person I'm listening to. And I, I want to lean in. Tell me more. Let me listen to you. You know, um, what a joy. It's just, um, yeah, both of them are kind of kooky. And also in this podcast that they're talking, the Talking Sopranos, they aren't necessarily friends, which... Um, one thing that's difficult if you're going to produce a piece of work, uh, I'm thinking of a particular podcaster who's got a mental health podcast who's well-known. Uh, he likes to criticize psychics and he likes to make fun of, well, I won't say make fun of, he likes to take revenue for commercials for podcasts that are quite uh, popular uh, that like to insult psychics. And so I don't, I don't listen to his podcast anymore. But that being the case, I got a lot of growth out of that for years, right? Um, he was on a show um, for many years, and he was alcoholic during that time. And he is well known for that character and that part that he played as a commentator. Yet when he became sober, he can look back and say that the producers of that show specifically chose him with the other one because he didn't necessarily like his co-star. Okay. They were testing. They were doing tests to see the chemistry between the two people, right? And this mental health podcaster was talking about who is a former commentator on a long running series on cable, um, who got sober. Uh, he was talking about how he didn't necessarily like the person that they were testing him with. 
but the producers chose them and he they bristled against each other the two of them he didn't necessarily like her and she has been on his podcast and they are long friends you see and they they pushed through the whatever and they grew to have this deeper friendship and they're both quite dynamic and poppy charisma to do that kind of work you have to have a charisma and a confidence on you um on some level right and um the point he made, though, was that they had a, an antagonism or a, a difficulty. There was a, a conflict that was present and there was a bristling and a crunchiness to it that also kind of created something interesting to watch. Think about Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, for example, um, which is a completely we can go into that one, but let's focus here. So there was a chemistry between them that was difficult and crunchy, but it was also captivating and interesting to watch. And we would tune in because it was like, there's a dynamic here that's like an antagonist. It's like there's some anger and like distress, but there's also some joy and playfulness. You know, it was kind of a mix, right? So much to that point, much to that comparison, uh, here's Michael and Steve talking on the show. And um, I heard Steve Sharippa saying on an interview, um, because I've subsequently listened to a couple interviews of them talking about this podcast that I didn't know about, right? Um, and I want to, I want to, I want to support people that were there and did the thing. Because, for example, true crime podcasts are part of what I listen to. Also, true crime podcasts exploit the people that had the horrific experiences, and those people don't get revenue for the popularity of the podcast. And I have some ethical issues about that because people are. Um, they are encouraging, endorsing, and celebrating these survivors, yet they are also making a money off of it and buying million-dollar homes off of it. So it's like, uh, <laughs> did the person who got her arm chopped off, has she got a million-dollar home? I don't know. She survived that thing, and she talked to you about it, and you're the one packaging and selling it. But how do we make her safe and give her a spiritual healing and a support? right? Maybe just listening to the story is what we can do today, but maybe we need to shift and adjust and figure out how to allow the people that stories, their stories to be acknowledged. That's why I want to support Michael and Steve in this podcast. Now, granted, Bose is their, one of their advertisers, and so they, they, ain't, they ain't going to be hurting for attention or uh, accolades for sure. But I just appreciate the fact that they have a crunchy energy. Steve was saying in an interview, I think it might've been the Seth Meyers interview. He goes, you know, um, oh no, it might've been another one late night ones, but he said, you know, uh, Michael doesn't drink. Michael doesn't smoke. Michael's a Buddhist. Uh, Michael doesn't eat meat. Uh, he's vegetarian. Yeah. You know, I do all those things. I do all those things here. You know, as Steve's saying, it's like, we totally are on opposite ends of that, but but you know, we sit there and talk. We just see the world kind of different, see? And I was like, oh, okay. So they're talking about their differences, and I like it. I like that they're sharing space and celebrating together. Um, one point I want to round out is that my mother and I, I would uh, travel down to her little single-wide trailer in that little farming community uh, just off of the I-5. It was kind of within 100, 200 miles I'd drive down there, and I'd always get excited to go visit Mom. Mom's been dead about 15 years. Well, a little bit over. And um, I remember packing everything up and it was such a delight. And I'd get my Netflix DVDs and I'd pile them up or she'd come to visit me. And we'd go down to her little single wide and we'd be captivated by it. Oh, you know, and part of it was we talk about the violence we lived through too while we were watching this piece of art, right? And um, this is the thing that I can remember mom telling me this at least three or four times. Okay. <laughs> 
And she'd always do it with such a dour look on her face when she'd say it. It was almost like she was just like, oh, something stinks in the room when she'd say this. She loved the series. She was very interested by it, but kind of, it made her scared sometimes too. But she said, his mother, Livia, I just don't care for her at all. I don't like her at all. She's just dour. I just don't like her at all. <laughs> And we'd talk about the show and she'd be like, oh, you know, she'd want to watch it. And she'd be like, going, I don't like his mother. I didn't like his mother at all. <laughs> so let's think about Livia, Livia Soprano. Remember her? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't know how sympathetic a character she was. And uh, there's a lot of issues regarding race and gender and socioeconomic demographic uh, unconscious biases going on with the creation of The Sopranos. And I would say gender is an issue, although we're also looking at a culture that has these issues as well, right? Especially, I'm learning more about how racist people were against Italians. Um, I've been uh, listening to a historical podcast on uh, the Rat Pack, um, mostly because the storyteller, which is, I'm going to be dropping reference, I'm going to have to long notes section this particular episode. Um, you Must Remember This, You Must Remember This is a podcast that talks about cinema and old cinema. You know, uh, I learned about Polly Platt and Peter Bogdanovich. Okay, Peter Bogdanovich is in The Sopranos, and Peter Bogdanovich is a director. Um, who married Sybil Shepherd? Okay, so I'm going. I could go off. I'm studying all this stuff, but um, <clears throat> the must the you must remember this podcast is talking about the Rat Pack, but they're talking about the discrimination that Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and these people went through that they had to change their names and change their identities and come in, you know, through the service door, like you know Sammy Davis Jr. because of the racism, because of the sexism, because of the you know all this stuff. So uh. Uh, because the storyteller of the that podcast, you must remember this, uh, is so her voice has got a, a really hypnotic tone, and she's a very educated and wise person, and I love listening to her break that down. Anyway, so I've been learning about Italian discrimination in the United States and how strong it was, even where the word WAP came from, and that's a discriminatory word, and uh, I don't encourage you, we don't use that word no more, or you shouldn't. Uh, or I'll say this, um, I'll have an Italian person tell me what they want me to say. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to them and ask what their preference is, you know. Much like if you're talking to a person of color, maybe they want to be called, maybe they want to be black, maybe they want to be Latina, Latino. Um, <clears throat> maybe that's historically accurate and I need to educate myself, right? So um, there's a willingness and a desire to honor what a person chooses to name themselves, right? Because that's really important. <clears throat> and I'll say a caveat. If you've ever been raped or incested by someone in your family and you've inherited their last name, changing your name is probably something you've considered and changing my last name and my first name is something I've considered because the people that chose those names or had those names were abusive to me horrifically. So um, identity is interesting and thinking about choosing your name is important. And so if a person who's a friend of mine doesn't want to be called African-American, they want to be called black, then I'll go as, as you like. You know, it might take me a second to change, but uh, thank you for your patience. I want to honor you, right? So anywho, thank you for letting me explore on that one. Um, but let's get to Livia Soprano because my mama did not like that character. And I suspect David Chase didn't like that character because David Chase didn't write her with any sympathy. She had she didn't have an empathetic bone in her body that you could see. And that was intentional. And now there's some people that are like that, certainly. Although 
I think that that character could have been written a little bit differently, maybe. Um, I would have liked to see a little more humanity or grace in her, although it was David Chase's story, right? Um, so direction. So that's what he chose. But let's get back to Livia, because this is a kickback to some of the things I like. He chose that name, the director said. I read this. Um, he chose the name Livia because if you know anything about ancient Greek and Roman times, uh, well, if you know, if you study it, and I do, uh, if you've seen um, I, Claudius, which is based on the 12 Caesars, which was written by Suetonius, Robert Graves interpreted that. Robert Graves inter interpreted Suetonius's somewhat concurrent writing of the Caesar leaders, uh, he was about a 100 to 200 years within uh, the 12 Caesars. So, and also Suetonius, that particular author, he wrote from several perspectives, right? But let's get to this Livia part. I, I could go off on Suetonius's 12 Caesars, which, you know, Robert Graves translated and used heavily for I, Claudius, right? So anyway, um, Livia was the mother of Tiberius. Um, Tiberius, yeah. He had a couple sons, but Livia was a schemer. Livia schemed to get Tiberius to be a Caesar, and he was an awful person, see? Um, so there was a lot of betrayal and uh, horrific things, and I'm running out of time. I'm running out of my 30 minutes here, but Livia is based on this scheming woman. Um, but also, women didn't get power, so men interpreted women to be scheming. So there could be some problematic issues with interpretation on that. Anyway, I was wandering around the Sopranos, and I was feeling joyful, and my meditation practice has brought me to this place to talk to you. Thank you. Um, so check it out, Talking Sopranos, something to check out. If you really want to go old school, read Suetonius's 12 Caesars, because that's a good book to read. There's a lot of good shit in there. Okay, <clears throat> hey, just want you to know you're never alone here at the house on Valencia Street, okay? And sometimes it's whether you like it or not, okay? Um, I got faith that you're seeking, okay? Thanks for listening. Appreciate you.